0: Podcast episode 255 for April 9th, 2013. The Medicine Woman of Talking Rock by Pamela Rents. Rated PG. Hello and welcome to Podcastle. I'm Tina Connolly. So you may recognize my voice from reading stories for PodCastle, or from the Flash Fiction podcast that I started last year, Toasted Cake. Now I love Flash Fiction. Well done, Flash Fiction can be a nice bite of something, or it can take a nice bite out of you. Or both. But one limitation of running a Flash Fiction podcast is simply that I don't get to pick up longer stories to share with you. I was very excited when Dave asked me to host one episode of PodCastle, and you know, nervous, because I run a humble little podcast named after an idiosyncratic way of preparing leftover cake. But then I thought of a story, and a collection, I could share with you all. I first met Pamela Rents through Clarion West. We attended in different years, but we both live in the Portland area, so I thought naturally we should connect. Well, shortly thereafter, Pam sold one of her stories to Asimov's, a really excellent science fiction story called... The Battle of Little Big Science, which some of you may have read. And cut to last year, she decided to bring out a collection of her work called Red Tape, Stories from Indian Country. I was traveling for book tour last October, and I took Pam's collection with me on the train. I had read several of the stories before, but I was blown away by how beautifully they work together. Some of the stories are fantasy, some science fiction, some humorous, some serious but they all center around the people and lands of the Karuk tribe. So this close connection means that even though one story may feature a scientist trying to sell the elders on her nearly complete time travel project, and another story may have a gargoyle that comes to life in a casino, the stories work extremely well together and build one off the next. The story I chose for you today is a quirky one about a medicine woman who's seen a lot of change in her time. It's a common theme that comes up in these stories, as this protagonist has to deal with yet some more changes. I'm also excited to introduce you to our reader today, Ada Malenkovic who is a writer, singer, and longtime actress in North Carolina, with a three and a half octave singing range, although sadly you won't get to hear that today. Pamela Rents is a 2008 graduate of Clarion West and has been published in Asimov's and Innsmouth Free Press. She is an enrolled member of the Karuk tribe and lives in Vancouver, Washington. Ada Melinkovic browns stories have appeared in Intergalactic Medicine Show, Podcastle, cross-genres, stupefying stories, and more. Her work has also been shortlisted numerous times for grants by the Speculative Literature Foundation. Enjoy the story. The Medicine
1: Woman of Talking Rock by Pamela Rents. Violet Spinks checked her to-do list for the ceremony. Canoe, plants, medicine cap, trails. List-making might not be traditional, but no one would blame her for needing a brain prompt. She set the list in her medicine book and picked up the TV remote. She clicked through the channels and stopped when she spotted a young man with a torso-like polished bronze. He shook out a bundle of black rubber cables and attached them to a shiny disc. The camera zoomed in on his brawny arms and legs as they worked the cables with the disc spinning in the middle. He looked like he wrestled a spider. A notice on the screen said, three easy payments of fourteen ninety nine dollars plus tax and shipping. The scene changed, and the muscle man helped a gray-haired lady in pink sweatpants work the device while she smiled gratefully. If they ship him along with it, I'm buying, Violet said, one hand rubbing the soft spread of her belly, the other reaching for the phone. Then, the air thickened, and the faint smell of sugar pine floated into the room. Sure, now they get back to me. She hit the mute button and grabbed her medicine book. She flipped to the list of pending prayers and other requested spirit input. Besides the ceremony to-do list, she had a remedy request for the ache in Luther Tripp's back an offering for safe delivery of the McLord baby, and an inquiry on a couple of missing cats. She didn't have much hope for the cats. Wandering pets didn't last long in wildcat country. Her pen hovered over the list, but her mind remained a puzzling blank. Her eyes flicked back to the TV. She couldn't buy the gadget in the middle of a spiritual transmission, so she returned her focus to the spirits. Any day now. She tried squeezing her eyes shut and holding her breath. At last, an image twisted in some unlit corner of her mind, then flickered out again. The pine scent faded away. Whoa, she said, wait a minute. Violet set the pen down and glanced up as if whatever she'd missed could be found there in foggy images playing out on the ceiling. She had experienced the spirits as vague, playful, deceptive, and or mean. But they never stopped by without leaving a message. She checked her pulse and wondered "'If this was how they called her home!' "'She jumped at tires crunching on gravel. "'She peeked out the window, "'moving the curtains as little as possible. "'Moosey's rig pulled into the driveway, "'towing an aluminum drift boat. "'From the front porch,' she hollered, "'You lost or you come here on purpose?' Yeah, yeah, good morning to you, too. Moosey climbed out of the truck, his shiny black hair in a single braid down his back. In his younger days, Moosey had been a good-looking Indian boy with strong legs. He still looked pretty good, but he had the belly of a guy who liked to eat his hamburgers three at a time. Betsy McLord find you, he asked. Her grandbaby show up? I guess, Moosey said. She's fired up about something. That woman is always fired up about something. Violet's gaze drifted back to the rig and froze on the drift boat. What's that thing? Roger is letting you use his boat. Moosey patted it on the side like it was a good dog. "'For what?' "'Ceremony,' Moosey said, avoiding her pointed look. "'What happened to the cedar canoe?' "'Oh,' Moosey said, as if it were no big deal. "'It got lost.' "'What?' Violet said, her voice rising a half-octave. How do you lose a cedar canoe? You need three guys to move the thing. Dad let Williams take it downriver, Moosty said. Someone said there was otter pups. He loaned the ceremony boat, Violet said, coming off the porch and marching right up to him. For baby otters? Well, He wasn't going to let the otters in the boat, Moosey said, shrinking back. Williams didn't tie it, and it floated away. It floated away? Violet remembered watching the medicine man cross the river in that boat when she was a girl. She'd sneak from the dance pit and crouch in the willow bushes to watch him come ashore. That nitwit! Violet peeked inside the boat. Three empty Coors cans and a Cheetos wrapper floated in an inch of filmy water. Everyone knows Williams is an idiot. I meant your dad, Violet said, backing away from the rank smell. Anyone search for it? It's gone, Moosey said. Look, the drift boat will work fine, and it's much easier to handle. Violet shot him a dark look. Our ancestors did not cross the river and ask the spirits to protect the world using a stinky old fishing boat. Ceremony is tomorrow. We can run to Forest Service and get on our knees and beg for a log. Moosey's shoulders lost their contrite hunch. With any luck, we can have one in a couple years. Then got to carve it. What do we do until then? Cancel the dance? I can't do a ceremony in a drift boat. Violet tapped him on the chest. I'll talk to the spirits. I need to go to Talking Rock anyway. They aren't returning my prayers. She nodded her head at the boat. Get that thing out of here. Violet packed her cedar walking stick her medicine bag, and her big book of Sudoku into the truck. On the way through town, she saw Betsy McLord in front of the post office. Violet couldn't duck while she was driving, so she pretended Betsy's frantic arm-waving was an enthusiastic greeting and offered a friendly wave back while gently accelerating past. The road to Talking Rock curled up around Blacktooth Mountain before dropping down into the valley. Violet hummed a cheerful version of an improvised Spirits, I'm on my way to see you song, which, to the uninitiated, might sound a little like Creedence Clearwater Revival. The best part of the drive happened as the road crested Lonesome Ridge and the view opened up. As far as the eye could see, hazy blue layers of tree-covered mountains stretched out in every direction. She let the window down and inhaled the fresh smell of pine and warm grass. She parked the truck at the trailhead and backtracked a half mile on foot to the medicine trail. Moosey's family hid the trailhead with piles of brush to keep... "'Nosy hikers and random hunters away.' She pushed through the scrub and found the trail freshly raked. She hiked the mile to the rock in record time. The granite spire of talking rock stuck out of the mountainside like a stubby finger about the height of a two-story house. A trio of skinny white fur grew up out of the base at the east end. She said her prayers, first, to state her earnestness, and second, to convey the immediacy of the situation. The spirits weren't ones to rush, so she kept a camp chair folded against a rock for these visits. She settled down with her puzzles to wait. It took them an hour to get to her, But at last, the air buzzed and brightened, and a piny good scent clouded around the rock. A breeze stirred the dust on the trail. An old Indian man Violet didn't recognize climbed down from the rock. "'Who are you?' Violet asked. "'I'm the gatekeeper.' He wore clean Levi's and a pale yellow western shirt with a bolo tie fastened with a round piece of jade. He held a pad of paper on a clipboard. There's a new system. I don't need a system. I need to see frog or maybe osprey. I understand. He said it like a man who had no interest in understanding. We'll need some information first. What kind of information? Violet had been traipsing up to this mountain spot since she still had functioning ovaries. She'd never been asked to provide information. The gatekeeper tore a sheet off his pad and clipped it to the board and handed it to Violet. A short, dull pencil dangled from a long string. Violet put her glasses on and took the pencil. The first question asked for employer. She looked at the man over her glasses. Is this some sort of joke? Everybody gets the same questions. Who's everybody? The gatekeeper glanced at the sun. You'd better get that form filled out if you want to see someone today. If Violet filled in her name and family history. When she got to the question, asking for a complete record of her ceremonial inquiries and the spirit she'd worked with, she gave the gatekeeper a troubled look. I can't remember all that. We can contact you for it later. He took the sheet without looking at it. What are you here for today? Where do I start, Violet said, tetchy from the delays. "'You're the one who trekked out here,' the man said. "'I need to find my canoe.' "'Oh,' the gatekeeper stroked his chin while gazing at a point somewhere over her head. "'You know, I don't think that's covered under your plan.' "'My plan?' For the second time in one day, Violet worried she'd crossed into death without adequate notice.' You've been enrolled in a plan for services. From now on, you contact me and I review the problem and refer you to the spirits covered under your plan. That's ridiculous. We have an appeal process. The gatekeeper pulled a packet of papers out of the air. Fill these out in triplicate and we'll get back to you. Is this why I've had problems getting my prayers answered? "'Sorry about that.' "'The gatekeeper handed her a laminated card. "'Now that we have you in the system, "'you should find it easier to make contact via the usual conduits— "'prayer, ritual, ceremony. "'If for any reason you're not successful, "'come back out here and we'll open an inquiry. "'I got a tribal elder, Luther Tripp, with a bad back.' You'd be amazed what ibuprofen and a heating pad can do for a backache, he said. Violet gave him a scathing look. The gatekeeper found a pink card in his pocket and wrote a note on it. I'll put in a research request. And the McLord baby? In terms of health, the baby is fine. The gatekeeper bowed as if he were finished. But no help with the canoe? Violet could hardly control herself. We do the ceremony for the spirits. Can't you borrow one? The gatekeeper asked. You mean from the ceremonial boats lending center? Why didn't I think of that? Violet folded the camp chair with a snap. For a moment, she considered carrying it to the truck. Instead, she leaned it back against the rock. Let Moosey drag the stupid chair up the trail. "'There's nothing preventing you from seeking your own solution,' the gatekeeper said, his expression still unconcerned. "'Yeah, thanks for nothing!' On the way home, Violet stopped at tribal housing to visit Luther Tripp. He lived in one of the oldest houses— "'a slouching shoebox with mismatched siding. "'The drooping overhang that had once covered his front porch "'had collapsed and now sat in pieces in the flower bed. "'The place seemed so forlorn, Violet it was afraid something happened to Luther. "'Then he waved from the window. "'She took her medicine book and waited at the front door. "'The doorknob wiggled, but the door stayed shut.' Luther? He said something, but it came out a muffled drone. Open up, Violet called. She pressed her ear against the door. More unrecognizable speech and a soft bump. Violet stepped into the flower bed and balanced on the porch debris to look in the window. Luther had both hands on the doorknob. Luther! She tapped on the filthy screen with her fingers. Luther tottered over to the window and gave her a wide smile. He pointed at his grin. "'You got your teeth fixed,' Violet said. He nodded, smiling tact, while he fiddled with the latch. He managed to scrape the window open a couple of inches. "'Why don't you open the door?' Violet said." "'You gotta push on it,' Luther said. "'It sticks.' "'What if you need to get out of the house?' Violet asked. "'Luther shrugged. "'Someone comes to get me.' Violet carefully dismounted the jumble of wood and returned to the door. She placed both hands flat on it and gave it a good kick. It popped open. Inside smelled like coffee and bacon.' They're sending someone to fix it, Luther said. This is a disgrace, Violet said. I'm going to get Moosey over here. It's not so bad, Luther shuffled into the kitchen. They said they was building new elder housing. They always say that, Violet growled. They stick you in the crap houses and use this future housing as an excuse to ignore your complaints. Then you're gone. And there's another old Indian to take your place. Violet was glad she had her own house. Luther returned from the kitchen with a mug that said, World's Greatest Elder. Have some coffee. Violet took the cup, surprised by a wave of shame. You're back okay? Luther took his time settling into a seat. Still hurts. Hard to sleep sometimes. Violet remembered way back when Luther hauled wood. He'd been one of the slim, hungry types with ropey arms and a muscled back. In the fall, he'd delivered truckloads of wood he'd split and stack up for a good price. She tried to reconcile the memory with this shrunken man resting his knobby hands on his knees. At least I got my teeth, he said, and smiled again. I'm going to ask you some questions. Violet opened the medicine book. What's the pain like? Luther's smile disappeared. Like a hurt? Like an ache or burning? Luther rocked side to side. Ache, he said at last. Do you have numbness? Tingles? Hot stabs? Luther shook his head. Do you get twitchy? Do your limbs shake? Do your knees give out? Luther continued to shake his head. Violet got the feeling he would shake his head at anything. Have you tried a heating pad and ibuprofen? Luther nodded, then hung his head. The spirits got nothing? They're getting back to me, Violet said with all the confidence she could muster. There's a little shake-up going on, but I'm here for you. Maybe I'm too old, Luther said sadly, and they're just going to ignore my complaint. Violet turned on the TV and settled in with the remote. Some of those shopping channels had health products. Maybe she could find something for Luther there. She paused at an offer for an electronic Sudoku player that stored thousands of games. She pictured herself pulling the stylish device from her bag and people gathering around to watch. Someone pounded on the door. Moosey, she hollered, get in here. She kept her eye on the TV, anxious to learn more. The door opened and closed. You better have good news. She finally looked up. Ah, Betsy! Betsy had arrived with a fistful of tissues pressed to her puffy eyes. Betsy often showed up at Violet's front door, her face lined with concern over some matter she thought the medicine woman should address. Betsy sought comfort for everything from heavy rains to crumbling pie dough to junior high school basketball tournaments. This time she held a quart of dilly beans under each meaty arm, an unusually generous offering. Violet remembered the baby, but hadn't the gatekeeper said it was healthy? Okay now. Violet put the dilly beans on the kitchen table and reached an arm around the taller woman's shoulder. She guided Betsy to the couch and let her take her time. Betsy smiled and sniffled at the same time. She pulled a plastic photo wallet from her purse. My grandson! Congratulations, Violet said. She found her glasses and viewed a photo of an adorable red-faced newborn. He's a hairy one. I know, Betsy said, her voice wavering. Violet went to the kitchen and poured apple juice into jam jars, "'and put some pretzels in a bowl. "'When she returned, Betsy was still gazing at the photo. Eight pounds, seven ounces, 22 inches long!' "'She pushed the photos at Violet. "'Violet flipped through a half-dozen shots "'of the same puckered round face and tiny curled fingers. "'Betsy covered her face with her hands. "'Poor little guy!' "'Could the gatekeeper have made a mistake? "'Violet could put together a healing dance in a day. "'She knew which dance families she would invite, "'which prayers and songs they would use. "'She envisioned herself next to the newborn in the dance house. "'She'd toss fistfuls of fragrant kishwoof on the fire. "'She'd deal with that damn gatekeeper. "'She'd fill out his forms.' She'd figure out how to go over his head, whatever it took to make it right. She massaged Betsy's back with a soothing touch. "'This is an Indian baby,' Betsy said. "'I know what he is,' Violet said, losing patience with Betsy's reluctance to offer details. "'Tell me what's wrong.' "'They named him (laughs) Shane!' "'Betsy said, her voice cracking on the last word. "'Violet's hand froze on Betsy's back. "'What's wrong with that?' "'Shane is the cowboy name!' "'Betsy buried her face in Violet's shoulder. "'Violet pushed her away. "'What should they have named him?' "'I don't know,' Betsy said. "'My brother's name was Chester.' "'Chester, the adorable Indian baby, warrior leader of his people?' "'Violet gave her a hard look. "'You don't understand,' Betsy said, wiping away the last of the tears. "'We need to do something.' "'This isn't covered under your plan.' violet said violet prepared for ceremony in the traditional way she fasted she bathed in the river she wandered the spirit trails singing her songs and collecting her tools at home she tied bundles of bear grass hazel and black root to carry to the ceremony On the trail, she sensed a fattening in the air and got a whiff of sugar pine and then a clear vision for Luther's bad back. He needed daily dips in the river and regular applications of deerberry salve. She would add that to the purchase information for the memory foam mattress she'd seen on TV. Moosey picked her up at dusk and took her to the river. They launched at the traditional crossing, putting the drift boat in the water across from the dance grounds. Violet sat in the front, her bundle on her lap. Moosey rowed with strong, smooth strokes. On the other side of the river, she could see light from the fire of the dance circle in the space between the trees. To either side, the river rippled quietly with the spirits guiding them. Violet had to admit, the boat did handle better.
0: And welcome back. I'm so excited to finally get to do that. Feedback this week is for PodCastle episode number 249 by Corey Scary, read by Graham Dunlop. Like so many of Corey's stories, the story is beautiful and dark. Besides a round of course, in the forums for Graham's excellent narration, there was some interesting discussion about whether or not this story is actually about cancer. Fire Turtle says... I was really happy when the demon looked like a demon, because I'm really sick of cancer and I didn't want it muddying up my fantasy universe. I work in the medical field. I think the world building was excellent, and I love the vivid descriptions of the various ecological regions on the slopes of the mountain. I love a story that is an experience. The inner world of the narrator was rich and vivid, the world was rich and vivid, and the secondary characters all felt authentic. DeNoulli also has a comment on the vividness, adding... I was driving home yesterday evening and listening as our hero excises the demon from his gut. My face must have been twisted in some grimace because I caught more than one of my fellow commuters glancing sideways at me. Excellent description and narration there. Creepy, gross, and so very cool. Thank you for these comments and discussion. You can let us know your thoughts on the stories by visiting forum.escapeartists.net And... If you like the fantastic work that Dave Thompson, Anna Schwind, N. Lucky, and Peter Wood bring to you every week, then please consider visiting podcastle.org and making a donation. Every single cent goes to paying the podcastle authors and keeping podcastle going so that they can bring you the best in fantasy fiction week after week. You'd like for Dave to be pleasantly surprised when he returns, right? Well, that was our show for this week. We do hope you enjoyed it. On behalf of everyone here at Podcastle, thank you so much for letting us share another story with you. And thank you for letting me come do it. Podcastle will be back next week with another fantastic story. Until then, this is Tina Connolly for Podcastle, reminding you to always read the fine print on your plan.
1: PodCastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, or post to your
0: blog about it, or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. George Bernard Shaw says those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything.